so welcome all aboard uh, to the Long Lost Heroes podcast. Uh, I'm AJ. I'm Frank. And today we are joined by one of my good friends, uh, local Jersey comedian, uh, Deanna Kobe. Hello. Hi, guys. Okay, so uh, we're going to get to the James Bond movie Octopussy in a minute. Um, but I wanted to uh, kind of spend a couple minutes here and kind of deep dive on uh, Deanna's brand new podcast, Comedians Exposed. Um, two episodes out so far. I've listened to both of them. Uh, I listened to the Angela one a couple times, actually. Uh, how are you doing? What's going on? Where can we find you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Um, you can find me in my living room in my stretchy pants, basically <laughs> seven nights a week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am on social media. Um, Instagram is my favorite of the social media. It's like the nicest. I think it's where I'm the nicest to people as well. <laughs> so I'm under, you can find me under my name or I use the handle Pandora's mouth. That's awesome. It's so cool that you had got that. <laughs> so, how long have you had that handle? It says I signed up for Instagram. So I was, I feel like it's very appropriate because you know, this, if you know the story of Pandora, it's like when I open my mouth, it's a shit storm. So I thought it was appropriate. Okay, so one of my favorite parts of getting to do the podcast with other comedians is getting to ask the question that I think is always so fun. How did you get started in comedy, and, and how long have you been doing it? Oh my gosh. Uh, I got started. I, I was, you know, I'm, I've only been do doing it consistently, like going to mics and stuff for three years. Um, so getting started was pretty terrifying. I feel like I got started really late in the game. You know, especially when I see all these like 21 year olds with their little dick swagger, you know, I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> um, you know, and you hear comics say like, oh, wow, comedy's like doing therapy. I'm like, bitches, I needed to do 10 years of therapy before I could even do comedy. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm doing it now and it's super fun and I love it. And the podcast that I'm doing talks about because part of the reason why I do comedy was to release fear from my life. Like I'm on this journey of putting myself in situations that I'm afraid of. Okay. So yeah. Okay. I feel like, you know, fear is really unnecessary. Like it's important and it exists, but too much of it really limits us. And especially like seeing what's going on politically today. I think a lot of people are trapped in fear and that's not a good place to be. I, I so agree with you. And I so feel that because it, uh, I feel like, um, you know, I, I've seen people say this before, but like we have like public avatars, you know what I mean? And that, you know, we go on social media and we're behind the your profile picture and you have a branding book and guidelines and, you know, a whole do's and don'ts of things, you know, you can and cannot say. But part of the benefit, I think, of being able to do comedy a little bit is is that kind of gets stripped away. And, and the way you maneuver that is kind of everything and uh it's it's super fun and super freeing um and your your podcast really kind of digs into that in a big way um it's called uh comedians exposed uh you know with the the way that you you kind of i like the way that you were asking the questions especially in the Am angela episode because it felt like a lot of podcasts where they will like uh there'll be you know two comedians talking and talking about people's history and their reasons why they're doing it 
you kind of like pushed second and third follow-up questions and i like that a lot that was cool is that is that something that you wanted to do with the podcast and like kind of where you wanted to take it or like where did the idea come from I, I want to know, like, again, um, because I know my motivation for doing it, but you see so many personalities on the scene. And again, um, like, I, you know, I wish I was joking about needing therapy before doing comedy, but the reality is, like, I was literally petrified. So to see people to want to know, why are you doing this? Because to me, I feel like you've got to have a touch of, like, psychoticness to do it, you know, like, just, just leave it, just leave it, you know, so I want to know, like, I'm just so curious, and I'm so appreciative of everybody that's going to let me pick their brains, AJ, I know, agreed uh, to be a guest, which I'm, like, so excited about, but I want to know about everyone's experiences, yeah, you know, I, I can't wait, I think it's going to be super fun, very, I, uh, I can't wait, you, you do musical comedy as well, so it's, like, that's a whole different you know, thing to dive into. And like I said, every single person has such a different voice and offers so many different qualities. So it's like hearing people's journeys of like, why are you doing this? And how hard it is. It's not easy. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm so glad that you're doing it. I think it's awesome. Uh, go ahead and subscribe. You can do the $2 a month. It's great. You get the podcast, you get bonus stuff as well, which will be coming down the line. Go yeah, ahead and do it right now. Free. They can hear them for free right now. Oh. I appreciate the patronage, yeah, but I did put the episodes out for public, you know, so down the line, eventually I hope they enjoy it so much that you will become a patron. But, okay. you know. That's an yeah. awesome move. So the real reason we're here today um, is to talk about uh, this uh, latest James Bond movie that uh, we all just watched from 1983, the sixth entry. <laughs> uh, is this the sixth? This is the sixth one, right? This is Frank? the sixth Roger Moore, yeah. The sixth uh, Roger Moore. Number 13, I think, of them all. <laughs> Octopussy. And uh, Deanna, we can't, We brought you on to kind of say the blessing <laughs> over this word that Frank and I were nervous about how many times we could potentially say it on the podcast <laughs> without getting canceled. Um, so... Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your experience with Bond and, uh, you know, maybe your history a little bit? Uh, yes, yeah, sure, sure, guys. Um, like I, I had mentioned, I had never seen any James Bond movie ever before. Um, and, you know, doing comedy, you learn a lot about porn. So I wasn't sure <laughs> if Toronto Pussy was some sort of, like, weird porn, you know, wanted me to watch or something, you know. <laughs> I'm like sure there is a, vagina. a That's totally, yeah. <laughs> like a merry-go-round ride, you know. She just goes around and you pop on and pop off. <laughs> uh, you know, coming into this movie, I had no idea why it could be called this title. And, like, you see it in the catalog, and it just kind of seems like a joke. Uh, Frank. Yes. <laughs> uh how was watching this movie for you? Um, and, and what do you think? Uh, spoiler so, free. Well, it's interesting. So yeah, I also watched it with my wife and like it, the fact that they are like really distancing themselves from the word pussy. It's very much about the octopus, which I had no idea. And like, you see on the, the posters, you've got all these arms like coming around him and everything's like, Oh, that's what they're going for. But like, I don't think this is a spoiler to say that the character's name was a nickname given by her father. Like 
come on. <laughs> so, that, um, uh, yeah, uh, that's <laughs> one of the problematic parts of this movie. Sure. I think, I think the first part that like really like caught me off guard and what is the tattoo? The tattoo sequence, I think, is. <laughs> Did it look like a Cracker Jack box tattoo, though? Yeah, totally. <laughs> that that would have scratched off it? easily. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh my goodness. This movie was definitely made in the 80s because you think about the plot line and, like, literally, like, there was so much cocaine and, like, how the whole movie was tied together. Like, my dad loved octopus. So I'm the octopusy. Like what? <laughs> you know, I'm this? <laughs> Octopussy's the... flying circus and her octopusy <laughs> brigade. <laughs> I think the only redeeming quality is that it could be that I do know that octopus's octopusy's garden was the original title of octopus's garden. So I think it, octopusy could be more of a British UK term that hmm. they're more comfortable saying over there than we are because we we just call it an octopus, which is great word um okay uh deanna did you like this movie at all um okay so as someone who is not a movie person i watch like maybe a movie a year uh this would not probably be ranked on my desert island movies no (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm there with you frank did i like it um I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's it's still a James Bond. We have been enjoying this project. It's fun to compare them, um, but it's it's definitely on the lower end of the Roger Moore era for me. Um, and no, I would not take it on the desert island with me. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, okay, um, I I think it's really uh, we, there's so many great Bond locations, right? Right. We've been to Thailand. We've been to. Uh, all over Southeast Asia. We've been to the Bahamas. We've been, you know, in Dalton, we got to see them playing around in uh, Central and South America and different areas. You know, in the later Bonds, we get to see them globetrot, but also, you know, sit in a couple different locations. I think India for Bond should have been a no-brainer, and it should have been awesome. And uh, I can understand, like, the resistance for a long time of maybe there not being a lot of Bonds in India or taking place in India for a long time. Um, because of the way that the British were handling um, uh, that continent for such a, a long time. Um, I just think that there's like a ton of missed opportunities and also a little bit racist. Um, yep. So, so uh, I, I kind of, once I saw it was in India, I kind of got excited and then, you know, just kind of spiraled out from there. Um, I think, spoiler free, the best thing I could say is I think the last half hour of this movie is is pretty watchable and there is... Some of the action sequences are are good, uh, but I, I think where they, they lost me at the circus and they really <laughs> lost me on the island. Um, so without further ado, uh, if you have not seen this movie, we are sorry, guys. We have been advertising for a little while that these movies are all on Amazon Prime. They are no longer on Amazon Prime. Um, so I would recommend renting them. I think that they're all under five bucks on the major streaming guys to rent for 24 to 72 hours. Uh, if not, um, you know, uh, we have the great box set, which we've been enjoying. If you're a huge Bond fan, definitely recommend picking this up. Uh, you can get the DVDs without the digital codes for about 120 bucks. Uh, they come with some really great features, so I I think it's worth it. That's what me and Frank have been working on. 
Um, and uh, any other thoughts, Frank, before we get into spoilers? Yeah, and just to say that, like, the way that streaming content has been going lately, everything kind of rotates on a monthly basis. So if you're uh, worried about renting it, I wouldn't be surprised if they'd be back up in, like, September or October and you can come back and listen to some of these episodes. But uh, it's definitely frustrating, but we're glad it's, we have the box It's definitely sets. frustrating. <laughs> yeah. And thank you, Frank, for spotting that. That was yeah. huge. Oh, and also, who is the guy you were tweeting with today? Oh, um, let me pull him Shout up. Shout him out. Yeah, so Deano Sounds, thank you so much for reaching out on Twitter. Um, we had a, a great exchange. Um, glad that you're enjoying the podcast series. And you know, the fact that you loved On Her Majesty's Secret Service is really pretty awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. he joins Christopher Nolan. That's his favorite movie. So it's pretty cool to like that movie, I would say. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, obviously we had we were a little divisive on it, but... If you grow up with a movie and it's your nostalgia, like, I get why. And it's like, you you don't like the, the Pierce Brosnans. We have nostalgia for the Pierce Brosnans. So exactly. thanks for the, for reaching out. We really appreciate the commentary and uh, hope you're enjoying this episode if you have watched Octopussy. Okay. Frank, uh, you've been doing really well with the game so far. So, Deanna, we've been playing a game where we try to sum up the plot of this movie in as short of a, a sh as few words as possible, as short of a sentence as we can. Um, I know I can't do it for this movie. Uh, Frank, <laughs> hook it up, brother. What do you got? Okay. Um, so Agent 009 is killed in costume as a, a clown while trying to retrieve this Fabergé egg that <laughs> they are linking to the Russians who are smuggling them across the border for some reason. But ultimately, the Russians' plot is to blow up a nuke in Europe to cause the Europeans and the United States to de-escalate, and they can move in with their their tanks. They this Russian guy is working alongside Kamal Khan and Octopussy, and some things happen. Bond has to stop them, and he does. <laughs> That's about like the best I could do. Uh, yeah, you did. You nailed it, man. That was pretty good. Did you work on that? That was good. No, I didn't. <laughs> okay. um, all right. Let, let's talk about the opening of this movie. Um, I guess it takes place in Cuba. Is that where they're trying to suggest? That's what it, it seemed like. That's what I got, the vibe. It, it felt like, oh, that might be Fidel Castro, right? Like, that's yeah. kind of what right. it felt like to me. So, um I guess I'm cool with like the less like Bond getting caught and like I like that this movie kind of vacillates between a competent and an incompetent Bond a lot of the times, um, and and that's kind of cool, uh, and the plane sequence is pretty cool. Um, I don't know, it just falls flat, right? Yeah, it kind of falls flat. I mean, like it, you, it's going, 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 and then he he pulls up as like runs out of gas, and then it cuts to the the credits. It's just like really. All right. Ugh, these credits are bad. Yeah. Um, these are bad credits, Deanna. <laughs> it's just like we've seen them like do some really cool stuff with the special effects, and they're constantly getting better, right? That's what's it's fun about watching them in, in the the uh, chronological order of actor. You see that the effects get better over time. But like it's, they just got like this one laser guy that they pulled off the Pink Floyd tour, and like <laughs> they're just putting you know 007 in different you know uh, body parts. Um, Okay, uh, and then I guess we're brought into the clown, right? 
That's yeah. the next sequence? Yeah, the opening oh sequence has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It's just Bond trying to complete some other mission, which is kind of disappointing because I wanted to see that movie. Um, but yeah, to start off with yeah. the clown, it's very jarring. Um, Deanna, like, did this throw you off completely? Like, is this what you expected <laughs> from a Bond movie? And this is where I'm terrible to watch movies with because I was like really mad. Like the dude's running in clown shoes in the middle of the woods and the guy <laughs> with the knives who's like supposed to be a circus knife thrower keeps missing. Like, I'm like, come on, come on here. This is, this is ridiculous. You know, and like clowns are creepy anyway. So, I, and then I'm like, what? And then the Faberge egg, it was just like, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack right now. Yeah. It, it it seems like a bit, right? Like it's all done for a joke. Like, you know, like, uh, okay. So they, they kill this clown, right? But ultimately he, he gets rid of the Fabergé egg in somebody's house. The, the British embassy. So he makes it to the embassy, but. Yeah. After get like, that's amazing, right? Like he gets, yeah, <laughs> the one twin misses him like 18 times and then the other twin gets him, but he floats down the river and is able to make it all the way to the embassy with the egg. And it was like, this, this I don't understand. It was also very I like it with the red that. balloon. <laughs> yes, and the balloon. Yeah, why didn't you let go of the balloon? <laughs> dude that whole sequence like kind of threw me off because what we've been watching is like so there's this guy john glenn and he was the assistant director for a long time and now he's coming in and he's directing and i think a lot of the choices that he makes actually usually turn out well and i like the way that some of the shots in this movie are are set up they are very dramatic right that whole sequence is it's fun but it's i'm also lost like right like it's just it's hard to follow from scene to scene What's happening? I didn't realize they're at the British Embassy. How did I forget? How did I not know that? Um, okay. And then I also love something about this version, Roger Moore's version of Bond in these films, and is his super competency. Where as soon as he sees the thing, he knows exactly what it is. <laughs> he knows all about Fabergé eggs. I love that. Every time that he walks into M's office, he's like, "So, do you know about this thing?" He's like. Oh yes, blah 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 blah. <laughs> like, yeah. I can tell you everything about it. He's an encyclopedia. So, we this is a new. So this is like a pretty tropey thing. You know, they always do this in the movie. This is kind of uh, you know the, the setup sequence where they're going to have a meeting in an office. They'll talk about what the beginning of the mission will be, and then Bond will go on his way. Um, so this is a new M. This is uh, a new guy replacing Bernard Lee, who'd been M for all of the movies up until the last movie. Uh, which was uh, for your eyes only. Now we have a new um, M. Uh, should we give him a couple seconds, Frank? I mean, what do you think of the new M? Well, so, I mean, he's not new for us because he also shows up in the Dalton era. Right. Um, yes, that's true. So, I mean, I think he's okay. Uh, it's interesting also because he portrayed a different character a few, like 10 years earlier, I think in uh, either Man with a Golden Gun or or one of the ones in the Roger Moore era. So it's like they, they're, they've done this. This is actually interesting that this movie, they brought him in and they also brought Maude Adams back. So it's kind of like they're dipping back into the well of, uh, you know, their, their people. And I think um, the other thing I read about this was like, they wanted to make this bond movie to feel like James Bond because it's the same year that never say never again came out. 
And so oh, can they're you competing. Te- explain, to the, explain to the listeners at home what Never Say Never Again was. So Never Say Never Again was a movie with Sean Connery um, based on Thunderball, the, the, the book and movie that they produced, you know, 20 years earlier. And it's, it's basically a remake, but it's not made by Eon Productions, who make all of the other James Bonds. So it's not considered canon. And so ultimately, Roger Moore was thinking about leaving. But then when they got wind that Sean Connery was going to come back, they're like, we need to, you know, go up against this movie. And so, you know, uh, John Barry came back and they still had John Glenn. And I think they like really honed in and tried to make it feel as Bond as they could. So maybe that's a reason why they went back to some other familiar actors and actresses. Um, ultimately, we haven't seen Never Say Never Again. We don't know if that movie is better than this one or not, but this one right. d- doesn't really do the job. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Okay. okay. Um, talk about tropiness later. Okay. So uh, we got our villain set up. One of the one of the villains set up early on in the movie, Kamal Khan, um, who a uh, handsome dude. Um, you know, he's some kind of swindler dude. He's he's moving things around. It's very easy to see that they're trying to set him up to be the bad guy, right? Um, then they kind of pull a switcheroo, and then they do a, a backslide on that switcheroo, in that I think that they're trying to set up Maud Adams' octopusy to be kind of the main villain of this movie in some ways. Yeah. And then they kind of pull her back to give her redeeming qualities, and her affinity for bond and then kind of go a different direction. Um, and which is weird because we've seen female bond villains before, but we've never seen a beautiful one. And we've never seen, um, a little bit of the moral ambiguity that they put on her in a little bit of ways. Uh, Deanna, um, there are some kick-ass female villains in pop culture canon. Um, Cruella DeVille, Ursula, just some of the Disney ones. There's also some great, you know, ones from history. Uh, what do you, what did you think of uh, kind of the not doubling down on making her the villain and and kind of this whole situation we're in? So she was. Um, I was kind of confused. Bond killed her father. Yep. Right? Apparently. Well, she, he let his uh, her father commit suicide. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, because there was like that one. That was one part I was like trying to get because I could see like there was like a connection between them. And she said that line about I couldn't tell if it was like sarcasm, but so the father commits suicide. So instead of facing you know, trial or, or whatever. okay, yeah. So, so she kind of yeah. So I see that's where I guess like this whole complexity because it was just like oh okay so where is this coming from? So she had like a soft spot for him. Mm. So I think it was pretty badass that she was in charge though. I thought that was really cool. I was like yeah lady get it. And she had her island with all of her women and they all had awesome outfits and stuff. Like the red pleather was so cool. The outfits were pretty cool. Yeah. I, I thought of the outfits. <laughs> the outfits felt kind of like a throwback. Um, uh, <laughs> You know, I wonder I, what this meant though. Like, if it was like a level of skill you had to attain, like you had to be like a top-notch fighter to get like the pleather. You know, whereas if you were in a bikini <laughs> with just a head scarf, you're just an apprentice. You know, I, I don't know. Is it like Star Trek or the red outfits? Like the red, uh, the red shirts? Are they the ones that are going to get killed first? Are they security? I don't know. Um, well, the Scientologist def- had like kind of a cool, you know, 
cast level system. I'm sure it's somewhere along those lines. She said it was a, a revive the octopus cult, and there's nothing else about that. Nope. That's just thrown away. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I wrote in this octopus cult that's, you know, been here on this island historically, and I just found all these lost women, and they're fine. I got them. Don't even worry about it. Um, I, I like that. I, I, I guess where, I, where I'm coming from in a coming from it as is in terms of like the, the bond movies and the tropiness that we've seen we've seen a couple switcheroos a couple twisties here and there um and i i guess i was excited to kind of watch her be the bad guy and i liked them setting her up at the beginning where you don't see her face which is so bond villain like 101 that you start with the underling but you never see the bad guy till the end and then you, you reveal their plot and we all go from there and then right as we were getting to the end of the movie, it kind of seems like that all falls apart and they put it back on the guy we see from the beginning scene in, in the Russia room, which we got to talk about, but uh, the, um, they put it back on Kamal and they kind of set him up as really trying to kind of take her uh, business out from under her. And yeah, I hated that. I hated it too. It, it was really confusing because I loved the setup. Like you said, yeah. showing her like it with, with the octopus and you know not seeing her face it's like oh man she's the villain she's running the show and then it's just like they forget that they chose to do that um i feel like they could have made him seem more like an underling and that he was like like really backstabbing her by like doing this thing but they just it, it's a kind of a too many villain problem and almost like uh good point what, but almost like Spider-Man Three, they they changed their their mind that she was a villain. Like they made her kind of an anti-hero, right. or not even just like she's a Bond girl. I I don't know. At the end of the day, yeah. Um, okay, uh, I mentioned it before. I want to talk about the Russia scene, the the scene in the big Russia room. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it too. Uh, so there used to be this dude, Deanna, named Ken Adams, who was the production designer for all the James Bond movies and like all the classic big like Dr. Evil level sets come from that guy. He had walked two years earlier and they bring on the guy who did the last movie again. And the whole reason he was brought on at all was that to cut budget and they needed it to all look much more real. And this to me felt like a throwback to what Ken Adams used to do in a lot of ways. Um, I liked this scene a lot and I would have liked more Orlov, I think. I think that to me was my missing ingredient. What do you think of Orlov and the Russia scene, you guys? Deanna, go ahead. What do you What do you think of that set? That whole part of the. Is that the with the spinning floor where the yes, all the yes, exactly. I love that. I was like, that's what exactly I think the United Nations is. You know, <laughs> like, oh yeah. So I yeah, that scene was very fun. Um, it was so interesting though, again, because it was in the eighties to see how they portrayed like this idea of communists and things like that. So I feel like they really leaned into that in that scene. Totally. And at this time, you know, we're going through the, you know, kind of the big detente period, you know, we're, we're, you know, the, the Soviet union is winding down. I think this is actually before red Dawn comes out, right? Red Dawn comes out in like 85 or something. I'll look that up. That sounds about uh, right. Uh, so we're at a cooling off period with our, uh, the global relationships, you know, the, the West and the East. Um, and I like that they kind of shoot this guy down and they're like, dude, like, no, like this is a dumb, stupid plan. Um, <laughs> however, he is sneakily doing this other plan, right? And yeah. his plan is that they're selling off fake Russian relics 
to make money, right? That was the plan. And buy the bomb. It it's unclear. <laughs> right. That I'm lost on that scene. That seems yes about right. It's it's such uh-huh. a big part of the movie, and we see all of these, that we you know the whole auction sequence with the eggs and the swapping with the fake one and uh, all the you know they that they're smuggling it across with with the the train of the traveling circus, but ultimately that matters not at all because they put a bomb in the train. So it's like I, they just did, abandoned that plot altogether. I guess maybe to make money, so maybe they can fund and get more weapons i don't know um lost totally lost on that shit uh okay uh moving on um i thought the auction scene at sotheby's was super cool and i would love that's like a highlight reel maybe sequence for me because that's something that we've never really seen bond do you know what i mean and this is something he could totally do and as soon as yeah. i was like in there i'm like oh he's he's gonna get that egg he, he'll get it. <laughs> uh uh I thought that that was fun. Um, I think this movie, you know, and, and to contrast it with what we just watched in For Your Eyes Only, which we, we both agreed is like, it, it comes from two short stories, Fleming, Ian Fleming, the guy who wrote the books. They took different parts from two different short stories to kind of make that movie together. I think this is a whole book in and of itself uh, that they're drawing from. Uh, this to me seems like one of the best scenes in the movie that like surpasses everything else. Everything else I, I would literally throw away. <laughs> um, uh, it does. This movie seems like they're trying to make it, you know, good together as a whole cohesive thing. And I'm like, it just didn't work. It just didn't happen. Um, what do you think of the auction scene? Is that like, was that fun for you, Frank? I thought it was great. Um, yeah. It, it, what is it? Rem- it reminds me of something that I've watched kind of recently. I don't know. Um, maybe it was like a comedy. I don't know. I, it, whatever it is, I, I think a good auction is, is great because there's always that tension. And you're absolutely right. I totally bought the fact that he was like going to be able to twist it around to his favor. Um, he, he can read people. He can understand like what they're doing. It's just another version of gambling, which he's really good at. Exactly. Um, but the fact that like I didn't even catch it, the fact that he swapped the eggs – was like, oh, cool. I didn't even know he did that. So question though, he swaps the eggs. They give yeah. they let him steal or they let uh the other Bond girl, I can't remember her the character's name, steal uh-huh. that egg from Bond with the tracker and all that stuff. Do they ultimately destroy the real one or do they destroy the fake one? I thought the real one went up to the um the British had it. They bought it, right? Maybe. Somehow, because when he switched it, he got it, and so they actually, he ended up getting the real one, I thought. Right, and then they destroy the fake one in India, right? I thought yeah, they destroyed I, the fake one in India. I, I know it's destroyed, like Kamal Khan. Is like, this oh, movie this. is hard to follow. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's it's rough. Uh, you know, it has these movies have an older style pacing, and like a lot of the times like we've been able to really wade through it pretty well. I think this one is really where it just this movie fucking falls apart every 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, and it could have been from the fact that I paused it a lot. I, I did, did too. Uh, I did too. <laughs> did you sit through, the, did you make it through this movie in one sitting, Deanna? Or did you have like stuff that came up? I, yeah, I didn't do one sitting. I could, yeah, because I'm like a chipmunk. So I did like an hour and an hour. <laughs> no, that's totally fair. We do that yeah. a lot. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, I ultimately watched it in this all in one night, but like I started it, I got through about like 40 minutes, I paused it, and like I, I remember I paused it probably a few minutes from the end, and then all of a sudden it was over. I was like, wait, <laughs> what did I miss? The movie just ends. It just ends. Um, okay, I think where this movie kind of loses me, I think one of the biggest things is, is Kamal Khan's big uh, entrance scene with the backgammon and the dice. I don't buy this. And to me, this just seemed like, like a cartoon. Like we're just like, like this, this high roller guy just has these loaded dice. Nobody calls him on it. And he just runs over people. No problem. And then nobody's exploited this obvious, you know, backgammon rule that, you can just switch the dice at any given time. That, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, that's fucking flimsy. It sure is. I mean, I, and maybe because it's like, we've probably seen something like that since then. You know, this is 83 and maybe, I don't know. So like the fact that he's able to swindle this other guy so easily, it's like, come on, it's so obvious. But I don't know. Yeah, it is weird. I, I do like that Bond gets the upper hand, but it's like, I don't know. It's it's definitely a weird sequence. I think part of that is from the book, if I write yeah. correctly. So I think this guy's name is Gobinda, who is our physical antagonist. One of many physical antagonists, I will say. But yes, he's the main one. So to fill you in, Deanna, so in a James Bond movie, it's very rare that Bond is actually going to be like engaging in fisticuffs with the main villain, right? There's usually some stand-in. A couple of movies ago, there was this guy we loved, played by this guy, Richard Kyle. Uh, his name is Jaws. He's a super famous guy. He's from the video game. Uh, there's Odd Job, And then there's all sorts of very, very famous ones. Um, I think where this, like, crosses the line of, like, first of all, not being a good physical antagonist, and two, like, not, like, having any character development is that when you just put this guy in a turban and have him follow around Bond as this evil-looking dude, it's pretty fucking racist. Uh, and yeah. I think that there's, like, they could have done anything. Anything. Um, what do you think? What do, What's your take on our idea of a physical antagonist? And, like, uh, I mean, what was your thought as you're following this guy following Bond? What do you think, Dee? Oh. I mean, it was hard again because... You know, the movie was made in 1983, so obviously watching it from a lens of 2020, there's a lot of like, ooh, oh, ooh, you know, yeah. very cringeworthy stuff. Um, and, you know, I don't know, like, what, like, is that done in a lot of Bond movies, how they always yeah. have these multiple... Yeah, and, and I think where they could have done it a little bit differently, and, and yes and no, because they do give a lot of personality to Jaws. They also redeem him. You know, I think Ajab has a great personality in, in his movies. Uh, the Some of the guys in the Pierce Brosnan era build in a lot of humor. Um, and I think that, like, they don't give this guy any jokes. They don't give this guy any lines. Um, he's just there to look scary, and you're meant to feel threatened by him. I feel like we don't learn his name for at least half the movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think they just were like, we need a big guy, but it can't just be, you know, another white dude. We need to like make him be of, of the area we're from. And it, it just doesn't work. Um, I, yeah. And I also don't think he's all that threatening. He's just kind of like, no, he's not. 
<laughs> just there. I w- I think it would have been much more interesting if like the twins were like the physical antagonists the entire movie. Like these guys. I, I so eyes. feel you. I so feel you. Uh, there's there's so much more interesting. Um, you know who's way more interesting? The guy with the razor yo-yo saw. Yes, yeah. that guy's awesome. <laughs> Give that guy his own cartoon. Um. <laughs> Um, I don't. Also, they had a whole island of you know badass women. Why can't they be uh, the physical antagonist? You well, know? and what's interesting is like that island of badass women had some great action sequences, and they they fought a lot. Uh, but ultimately, because they decided to make Octopussy and her cult uh, not bad guys, Bond's not fighting them. And they're helping right. him. And so, like, that would have been really awesome to see James Bond going up against all these women and having to fight them. Like, uh, yeah. That would have for the title of the movie, I think, you know? <laughs> yeah. And go around and, like, punch eight pussies. Boo, 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 you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's hmm. – we already talked about it, but, like, does she have a regular name? That's not Octopussy? No. I mean, they, they mention <laughs> her father. I don't remember her father's name, but, like, so we, I know we get his last name, but we don't get her first name. Does he say, I thought towards the end, though, doesn't Bond say at one point when she was, like, captured, I thought he said we have to follow her or go after and he says her name, I thought. At one point, like, you know, towards the end. Because even he couldn't say it at this point. <laughs> I have no idea. What is her name? I don't think she has one. I think it's she just... She doesn't have one. She doesn't have one. She's just known as what Octopussy. Kind of I mean, I don't have children, okay? But I, what? how is that a roll-off-your-tongue kind of nickname to give your kid? Like, I thought nicknames are way to shorten, make it short and easy and sweet. <laughs> oh, Octopussy, my little darling. A little octopusy. Four Holy syllables. <laughs> it definitely doesn't roll off the tongue. <sighs> and then uh, how come everyone's calling her that? That's called so, like, if it was your dad's nickname for you, like, did your parents have a nickname for you guys? Um, uh, not, you know. <laughs> AJ, look at him turning red. He's got one. What yeah. do you call you? No, so, like, I, uh, I always hated being called Andy. You know what I mean? Oh, so, like, yeah. maybe a couple years people called me Andy and then was like, please don't do that. Um, and then I'll never forget, and this is the whole origin story right here. I was in second grade at the bus stop going to, you know, primary school or whatever. And my parents were like, Hey, Andrew, uh, your middle name is John and your first name is Andrew. Uh, if you would like, you could be called AJ. And I just kind of stood there and looked at them like, you know, mouth agape, like processing that. (laughs) And, And that was, and that was my nickname, you know, for, for a long time. And then and then in middle school it was corrupted and then I was Andrew again. But all my friends at that time always called me AJ the whole time. And then it stuck. You, know, you couldn't get rid of yeah, it. Yeah, it stuck. It's over. Um Frank? Yeah. Uh Frankie is yeah. mine. Um which is mostly, you know, family and then some close friends. Uh but yeah. It 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 doesn't shorten my name, but it it's definitely like more playful, I guess. <laughs> sure. Deanna, do you have any nicknames I don't know about? My, my, well, actually, my father called me Deanna Banana. 
So wow. that's like me walking around now as a grown ass woman being like, hey, Deanna Banana. Like, no, I'll cut you, bitch. Shut the fuck up. You're Deanna Banana. Yeah. You have the banana cult. <laughs> banana cult of women. <laughs> that sounds yeah. kind of awesome, actually. Yeah, maybe I'll go with this. It could be pretty for fun. It. You get your own island. Um, bananas whipping them at people's throats. You're, you a bunch of guys in banana right? hammocks. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. Bananas. Bananas. Oh. You know, I don't even really like, like bananas. Bananas. I don't really like, even like them. They're not even, they're not a great, they're not a top tier fruit for me. Really? No. I like the banana. I think it's very versatile. That's true. We always end up having too many, and then we've been, lately, we've been making banana bread, which is delicious. Yes. So. You can't say you're quarantining if you're not eating a pound of banana bread a day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Uh so we're stuck on the banana bread now. Uh let's let's talk about Q a little bit. Um sure. so Q's in this movie a lot. So Q is played by Desmond Llewellyn. He's the guy who gives James Bond all of his gadgets. Um, and sometimes he's played for comedy. Sometimes he's played a little bit more seriously. He has bigger roles. He's got smaller roles. He plays a kind of a big role and then he shows up a lot. Um, and we're also at a time when there was a distinct effort to move away from the gadgets, uh, saving the day being the deus ex machina. And that's what gets bond out of a jam. Now we're kind of in an era of bond getting it out on his wits and solving, stuff with with his mind and and his experiences um what did we think about the bond gadgets and and uh it, well not even the gadgets with the q stuff what do you think frank um it was like yeah i feel like they were teasing you and they don't yeah. really go the full way like in the opening sequence i'm like oh okay what does he have in this this trailer that with the fake horse butt like is it a car that'd be great oh it's a plane okay fine and he also was about to use this crazy device gadget thing to get out of uh, getting caught by the Cubans or whomever they are. And he doesn't get to use it. Um, like the only things he really uses, like the the ink that melts metal, like that's pretty cool. And then he's got the cool <laughs> yep. little watch that helps him track the, the stuff. So gadget-wise, it's okay, but there is no car, and that's a bummer. The Q scene, again, I think maybe went over the line a little bit by like, hey, we're in India. What are the really racist Indian things we can do? Um, you know, with the with the snake and the rope and the the you know, the the fake door. It, it was just a little bit much. But uh, yeah, Q Q is always great. I just would have liked to maybe have some more <laughs> something more tangible come out of it. Well I think the big takeaway is uh a small bone in the boobs. Um, oh yeah. Uh, okay. So we had a great character for many years called Moneypenny, who was in all the movies. She's Bond's kind of the secretary for MI6. Um, and they have a very nice and flirtatious relationship. And in the last movie, they did this really cool thing where they have this really young girl coming on to Bond. He rejects her, says, get out of here. Don't want, don't bother with me anymore. And they make it very cool. And then they go, they make a hard left turn on that and they, we're making some sex at work jokes and <laughs> that's just like, I think rough. This is a, that's a bad, that sucks. That sucked. Um, I hated it. Uh, Frank, did you like it? <laughs> oh, of course not. Okay. It's it just like, they come up with these names and it's like, why, 
why? It, it, I don't understand why they have to do that. Um, because she small bone. Any, like really, really. Um, I, I don't know. Is she like canon? Does she keep coming back now, or or they is is Money Penny still there? Uh, um, hold on. We'll, let's see. We'll find out. Pull that shit up right now. No, she's only in this movie. <laughs> she does not last. They they correct again. Good job. Um, all right. Uh, thoughts on the sex jokes in the workplace, Deanna? <laughs> like I said, the movie, 1983. So uh, definitely, I found it funny how in some parts, like in the opening sequence, the Castro-like character, they made him like so piggish by like staring at the boobs, you know, like to really play that up. But then how like other times, like they use like, like the the line was so like blurred, I thought in the movie, you know, with like appropriate and or not appropriate behavior, but how like because Bond wasn't appropriate either, you know. And even at the end, what was it? Q made the joke when they're in a hot air balloon, and he's like, "Ladies, not now. Well, maybe later." And you're like, <laughs> yeah. Whoa, Q's gonna get it in. Good for you, man. Well, yeah. I think the coolness of it is the suave and debonairness of it, and I think that's like where like Bond really shines in in the in the later years and in and in different times where his suaveness and charisma helps him instead of being a total pig. And uh, I think this is like a is a major that's a that's a major fuck up. Uh, and you know, a lot of these movies that we we've talked about are uh, reactionary, right? That they kind of bounce from one thing to the next, like. They were, in 1977, they put out the biggest Bond movie they had ever done. That same year, Star Wars comes out. They The next movie is the most expensive Bond movie, and they're going to space. Uh, the last movie was a pretty small plot and, like, with really big action scenes. It felt like they drilled down on a lot of more of the espionage and a lot less action in this movie. Um, and, uh, you know... Yeah. You know, I, and the court call attention to one thing also like we were talking about the the sex in the workplace stuff like there's the in the cue scene where james is like such an adolescent like he takes the camera and zooms in on the woman's chest and then it leaves it there like the rest of the scene plays out and like there are three tv cameras just zoomed in on her chest it's like how is this acceptable? Yeah. Yeah. Really That's what bad. I was trying to get at. Yeah, how they were looking with the Castro character. Like, they leaned into that so heavily in the beginning where it's like, look at this guy. What a gross guy he is. And then, like, two scenes later, yeah, it was like he's doing the same thing, you know? But at his workplace, not even to, like, a random stranger. Right. And that's just that's just, that's just fucking wrong. <laughs> um. So, Okay. So we've called out a lot of the problematic shit with this movie, and I'm like, I'm pretty happy that that we did that in the way that we did. Um, let's talk about the last half hour, which I think is maybe the only redeeming quality of this movie. Uh, I I like the ticking clock. I think it's a good ticking clock. Uh, I like going to Munich. I like when they land in Munich. I think that it, the movie totally changes from that point on. Um, I. You know, and and I like the and I like the general guy at the end and like his whole plan and I like that it was like you know a little subversive on on the typical plots that we've seen with James Bond movies, um, but I feel like it's got Lord of the Rings problems. It ends too many times. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I I hear you on the ticking clock, but 
they kind of screw it up in the fact that I was like, oh, great. There's a, a something that's going to drive us to the end of this movie. Only for like two minutes later, <laughs> it'd be like three hours have passed and the bomb is going off. And then the movie keeps going after that. So, yeah, like it, it just I, I appreciated the idea, but like they really should have like shifted some of the things around to like make it feel like the stakes were really high um, because after, after the bomb, you know, they stopped the bomb from going off. It's like, OK, now what? And then that, then you're absolutely right. It ends too many times because it was just like, all right, now we're going for a plane chase, and the movie's over. Um, yeah, the it just, I liked the disarming the bomb and the clown costume. I liked that he like they weren't taking him seriously. I thought that all that shit was great. I don't know how he got into clown makeup that quickly. We'll leave that for the movie gods. <laughs> um, um, the plane. The ending plane is uh, I fast forwarded, man. Whoa! I couldn't, I couldn't deal. I'm I'm ready to go. It was, yeah, I mean, knowing that the movie is like two hours and ten minutes, and the fact that we we pause it a few times, it's just like not that much happened. Like, why was this movie so long? Like, it could have been twenty minutes shorter. Yeah. Um, and like the other thing to me that was problematic was like, hey, in the last time Maude Adams was a a Bond girl. Yeah, James like smacks her and like really throws her down hard on the bed, and it's like really bad. And I was like, "Hey, oh, I think I, on the yeah, last episode we were talking about like, oh, maybe she gets to, you know, kick some ass in this movie and return the favor." Obviously, it's a different character altogether. But Gobinda hits her and knocks her out, and it's just like on the plane. It's like, really, come on, guys! Like this is just not okay. He also kind of rapes her. That's not fun. That's kind of su- that's kind of sucky. Is that a rape? That's not a rape, right? That's like, that's like I was watching. I'm like, this is fucking terrible. I watched it twice, and I was like, this is fucking bad. Um, you should have said stop. Um, okay. Uh, I don't know. Um, so the ending of this movie, where do they end up? Where are they? I think they're near, like, on an island somewhere near maybe her house her island, because they. I don't know. They jump around a lot. Who knows where they really end up? But yeah, they they kill the bad guy. Orlov gets killed, and you know, that's that. It, it literally just ends. There's like barely any. There's like last few. There's been more of a joke at the end, and it's just over. This movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this movie sucks. Like I was watching it, and I thought it sucked. I was thinking about it last night, how much it sucked, and I thought about it today, how much it sucked. It sucked. It sucks. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Deanna? Yeah. Did we waste your time with this one? Well, you didn't waste my time because I got to talk with you, <laughs> so it was absolutely worth it for that, you know? I mean, and you know, it was really fun. I did like his the scene when he was on the plane on the, you know, the planes in the sky, and he's able to get the door open and get into the plane. I'm like, damn, he's got core work. Yeah. <laughs> Blank for like thirty seconds. Oh my god, it was amazing. I think this movie has a stunt double problem though. Yeah, and that it's really this is like the peak stunt doubleness we've seen so far. I'm sure the next movie is going to be way worse, but. Uh, the wig. Yeah, I mean he's older. He, he can't do those shots anymore, and like they zoom in on his face on when it's clearly like in a studio. But when they have 
anybody in remotely doing anything dangerous, it's definitely a stunt double and it's very obvious. Yeah. It's so obvious. And and like that's why the plane sequence is like lost on me because like it, it I'm so like, oh, this is not him. They using the technology from a couple movies ago when they he jumped out of a plane the last time and they secretly hid the parachute under that guy. They probably got that same guy back. <laughs> uh, and you know, they're they're fighting on the plane and they're we're trying to blow it up. I don't know. We see Bond on a lot of like Cessna private jets. You know, maybe this was one of the first times they did it. I don't know. I just I I did not like it. Um you know all in all, you know, I did, like this like it's fun to watch them back to back because as much as I didn't like the last one and I thought that that one was pretty bad and how loosely connected it was, I thought that there's a lot of good highlight reel stuff and there's there's fun things about it. I think this movie went in the opposite direction in that like it doesn't equal to the sum of its parts. Like it like there the things that are good in it don't displace the bad stuff about it. Mm-hmm. Um and going forward, I think this brings us like totally into our, our rating system. And Deanna, if you would like to participate, you may. Uh we have ten categories. We got, you know, scores out of one out of ten. And uh we um, you know, kinda go through some different stuff that we may not have touched about before and kind of give this movie an overall score because we are ranking these movies to see which ones are good and which ones are probably not so good. Final thoughts, anybody, before we get to ratings? I feel like this movie is what Trump bases his foreign policy on. (laughs) You may not be wrong, although the fact... I can't imagine him sitting through a two-hour movie. I just feel like he'd be on Twitter the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh-uh. I don't think he's watched a, I don't think he's watched a movie in years, right? Like he can't enjoy movies. He probably hasn't even seen himself in some movies, like Home Alone Two. Oh. <laughs> he doesn't even realize that was yeah. a film. <laughs> All right, um, Deanna. Any final thoughts before we get to ratings? Would you like to join us for the ratings? You are not obligated to stay for the ratings. Oh sure, I'll rate. Sure, I'll stay for the rating. Fucking a, awesome. Okay, so. Awesome. The opening sequence, I gave this a three. Um, I think that, you know, I like when the Bond openings are mini-movies. I don't like when they are so, uh, you know, they shot this in California. It doesn't look like Cuba. It feels weird. The plane is not weird. It doesn't have any, there's nothing special about it, I don't think. That's maybe my takeaway. Three, it's not special. Frank. Originally, I rated it a little higher. Then I kind of knocked it down because I agree with you. It just it ends. I don't love the the gas joke. I think it's kind of stupid. The, cash, the, the, the um, gas joke is also bad and probably a little racist. Um, yeah. So so AJ, you gave it a three. I gave it a five. Um, yeah, definitely not the best opening sequence that we've seen. And then it ultimately has no consequence on the rest of the movie, which is kind of a, a bummer. Deanna, your score. I would, I don't know, I think a two. Uh, yeah. There was just too many holes in the storyline for me, and the dialogue was a little ridiculous, you know. And the whole Fabergé egg, like, I'm just kind of like, what the? It just sounded like, again, just I think about someone pitching this to someone. Be like, I got a great idea. I got some sparkly eggs. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like okay. <gasps> 
Yeah, the art world and Bond could play really well nicely together, I think. And it just, they, like a lot of things in, in the Bond movies are muddled. You know what I mean? And I think that if they had dug down and, like, played more in this world, we could have seen more interesting things. And they, like, they throw it away again, you know? So, yeah, I'd say I'd say a two is pretty fair. All right, so plot. Uh, I gave this movie a four. I think the plot is horrendous. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Um, what, I mean, I get that this dude wants to, you know, go against his superiors, make the movie about that. I get that they want, uh, to show how, you know, people double deal in the, you know, illegal diamond trade and the illegal fake art trade to make money, show motivation for that. I get that there are people who want to, you know, get away from society and have their own island and on their own cult of people who follow them. Make the movie about that. Pick one. I think, I think this is a four. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, maybe I'm a, a little bit too nice here. Um, so I'm going to go five. Yeah, uh, change. I think I'm, maybe the thing I'm forgiving is that, like, there are good plot lines. Oh, there's they just there's threads there, them. man. They're, they're, they they could have woven something together. It just it didn't. It just never came together. The, I think the idea of Orlov's, like, mission of, like, where he shows his tanks yeah, and like fun. all the red and how he's going to advance. Like that should have been the plot of the movie. The fact that they have this whole thing with the eggs and, and, and the other jewels, it just doesn't work because it ultimately doesn't go anywhere. Um, so it would have been great if that was better, but it's, it's definitely fun. one of my favorite talkie talkie parts, but in terms of like, you know, that's what I would call exposition scenes, but like ultimately like it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't go anywhere. Uh, Deanna, what is your rating for this movie? I'm going to give you four, yeah. Awesome. Like, there were so many thoughts going on. All right. Deanna, what did you think of the gadgets and, like, the the, of this movie and and the Q stuff? You're coming into it with fresh eyes. You've never seen this before. What was your experience with this guy and these scenes? They were fun gadgets. Um, I liked the, the crocodile boat. That yeah, was, crocodile. That, was, cool. that <laughs> yes. was so cool. I was like, a crocodile, watch out. And then you're like, no, just kidding. It saved me. So. <laughs> what do you think? What rating? One the out of ten. Seven. Seven. Perfect. Yeah. Nice. Ooh. Frank? Yeah. I mean, I, the, the crocodile boat, like, it made me wonder. I was like, is he going to get, like, another crocodile coming up, up on him trying to mate? <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, that would have been good. <laughs> That would have been a great joke. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's no car. There's a bunch of planes. There's – is there a boat? I don't know. Maybe no boat. There's a train. I think the Q scene is solid, but, like, um, they they kind of go sort of there with the gadgets, but not, like, as far as – I don't know. I'm going to give it a six. Okay. I'm going to go with a three. Um, based on the fact that there is no car, why is there no car? There could have been multiple cars. There could have been a car in Germany, and they could have given him a car then. They could have given him a car to go to India with. Uh, I think they tried to get away with the cool Indian taxi having some little fun features, but they didn't really feel like fun features as much as they felt like gags. I feel like the jokes are off in this movie too. Mm. Maybe we didn't talk about that at all. The jokes don't land. I feel like there's no, there's no really hilarious joke, memorable takeaway from this movie. Like the, the, I think the gadgets are supposed to be jokes and they're like, they're like maybe funny. I don't know. What do you think about that one? Yeah. 
I there think was a lot of puns. Yeah. Yes. A lot of puns. A lot. He he has a lot of quips. You know, like oh, uh, this thing runs on hot air. Oh, yeah. well, you've got plenty of that. <laughs> like, like okay, but yeah, no. There there's not really that many jokes. I feel like this movie is trying to be really serious, actually, and and it just totally doesn't work. work. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Bond girls. Um, all right. I went with a five. Um, because I think Maude Adams, I think she could have been awesome. It could have been a really memorable one. It could have been one to take to cert, cert plant how awesome she did. And then the ranking we gave her in man with the golden gun, which I gave her an eight, you gave her a seven. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think it's her fault. Uh, no, I, I gave her a four. You gave her a six. Um, that was looking at the wrong category. But the uh, we, I don't think that she crossed over to being legendary in this one. And I think had they doubled down on her being the bad guy and maybe being the big brains, I could see her being a highlight real person. But I think that they they muddled with it. They didn't fully commit, and thus we have this very confusing character with this pretty annoying name. Um, yeah. What did you think? I agree. I mean, I think they could have really made her like the best. Yeah. <laughs> and they, you know, she could have gone down in history as playing, you know, not only a Bond girl, but a villain and slash Bond girl. And they just like the first third of the movie, you're like, okay, great. This is exactly what I expect. And then they just totally, you know, don't do anything with her and then they make her damsel in distress and it's just it's bad and then like the other what's her name magda i, I can't yeah remember. yeah yeah like i remember like i started the movie i was like that's not maude adams is it she looks really different yeah and then i realized like okay there's another girl of course there's always two i thought um, they were gonna kill her i thought they were gonna kill magda i was kind of i was kind of pulling for that i like that motivation in a bond movie where he's like i like this girl now she's dead i'm out to get you and 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 what's her yeah. role? She's just the she's she's his assistant, Kamal's assistant. What what does she do? I guess I mean she's in cahoots with all of them, or she. But she's also she's got the tattoo. She's one of the octopus he called. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's my little. Octopus I also thing. didn't love like I was like I know that the point was for her, her to take the egg, but it was so obvious. Yeah. Like, Bond is looking in the mirror as you have it behind your back, like. Come on, you're you're that stupid. I don't know. That was bad. Um, so I'm knocking. I'm going to five. Deanna, I gotta go one because hey. yeah, I'm going Whoa. one because I, like again, I am fresh to the Bond series, so I don't know this business about two Bond girls. But all I know is, dude, he boned the one lady, and then he got the other lady, and as and then he like dickmatized the second lady, and she was all like international like fucking villain, and then he comes in, so like no, I ain't beat for that. I think it would have been uh, here's my dickmatized. That's a word. Here's my rewrite. <laughs> he goes into the room where she's standing there. He goes in to kiss her. She flips him onto the bed. The bed spins around. It's her lair. She's in charge. Like. Like you know, like I, I, that would be my rewrite. Like, give her more power. She she needs to slap him first, yeah. though, because she needs to get her, you know, her one up from the last time she was on screen. Sure. And like, I mean, and I think the other thing is like, there's a whole, 
you know, cult of women and like they are all really awesome. So maybe if we're talking about, you know, the global uh, women in this movie, it would be awesome. But like, yeah, they, they didn't highlight enough on, on the two that they were really focusing on. And it, it's a, a bummer. All right. All right. I'm, what do we got next? I'm dropping this down a point because after thinking about it, the villains in this movie are, are really terrible. Um, who is the main villain? I guess we could say Orlov. Um, I guess we could say Kamal Khan. Um, either way, they're they're not fleshed out. They're not realized. And I think that they they lack motivation. They lack everything that you need for a good villain. And it just like a shitty experience. I'm gonna go with a two, Frank. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going with a four. Um, I agree. I think you could have gone with either Khan or Orlov, and you might have had a a good villain. Um, ultimately, I think maybe they should have gone with Orlov because I think that was the more interesting plot. Uh, but just like the way that there's this like triangle of villains and because octopus he really ultimately should have been the villain of this movie why why anyone i mean i know why they didn't want to have a woman be the villain because they don't think she can do it which is bullshit but yeah so four fuck them all (laughs) deanna yeah i'll go with a four as well because i thought the there wasn't really a strong villain like you know there wasn't like a clear person it got so blurry, especially because, like, the woman who was behind the whole stealing of the egg, you know, that got murky because she could have been the villain. And then, like, the one Russian guy, like, you didn't have – he wasn't in it that much. Yeah. Um, yep. I feel you. Um, all right. Let's talk about the physical antagonist. What do you think of this category? Do you think this is a fair category? I go back and forth on it all the time. Does this matter? Um, I guess because it's like layers. It helps you connect the plot lines. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What What do you think of this guy? What's your rating for Gopinder? Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll guess a five. You know, give him right in the middle. Yeah. Because especially, you know what I mean? Because again, he, he was it, um essential to kind of help understanding, but he he could you could have taken him out as well. So I don't want to put it all on him as just the physical antagonist. I feel that that was already done in other categories that we talked about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to agree Frank? with you and, and go with a five. And, and the reason why is I'm going to give two points to the twins. <laughs> I'm going to give two points to the guy with the, the crazy yo-yo spiky thing. Yeah. And then one point to Gobinda because – he, I don't know. He just wasn't that great. Uh, so I think if they focused and had one really cool villain that had a really cool weapon, that would have been great. But uh, no good. What about you, AJ? I'm going to go with a three. You know, I think the cool thing about the Live and Let Die episode, and I think that where we're able to look at it after now, is like we were kind of rooting for the villains. That's something we talked about. We were like, mm. these guys are like, badass and they're cool and i kind of want to see them go up against bond in a a weird way i didn't want to see that i never felt that here i just felt like it was used to be bad and he never advanced the plot he's got no motivation he stinks uh which brings me to the bond performance now as a bald man i have a lot of thoughts about toupees and wigs and things of that nature 
Um, you know, I also feel, you know, certain ways and very conflicted about shaving my head all the time. Do I need to? Is this th something I need to do? George Carlin has a great bit. You know, you don't need to look like a freshly circumcised dick. I agree. <laughs> uh, you know, so to me, um, the Bond wig is doing a lot in this movie and I hate it. And I hate that he's so old and he looks so old and he, and this was a mistake to let him go again. And uh, I understand why and I understand where they were at the time with Never Say Never Again and wanting to compete in the tropiness and have the things there that we all want in a Bond movie. I also think that, you know, while he is uh, okay, I, I don't think he's good in this movie. I, I don't think that he pushes very hard and the, the stunts are so clearly not him. And I think that's where the Daniel Craig stuff becomes more valuable because you see it, it's him. And that's his performance. His his performance is bringing that physicality to the role, being so awesome, being so badass. And this is just so clearly not him that it sucks. And he doesn't, I don't know, I just hated it. So I'm going to go with yeah. a five, lower my score a bit. I'm going to go with a six. I think uh, he is kind of phoning it in a little bit. He's... He clearly didn't want to be there. He was ready to retire. He's older. Um, I mean, not retire completely, but from the role and the physicality of everything. Um, I, I don't love how quippy he is all the time. And that's not necessarily his fault, but I just feel like it just doesn't feel like, I don't know. Like I, I, I like Bond when he's young and like vibrant and like has a swagger to him. He's just kind of going along with it. And, I think that's partially because Roger Moore is just going along with it. He's totally just going along with it. What do you What do you think of of James Bond, of Roger Moore's James Bond performance in this, my friend Deanna? He was old. Um, that was one thing that kind of stuck out to me in the movie because he killed the lady's dad. So I was like, bro, you've been on the job that long that you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You no. Know? So, and then I'm like, now you're smashing her. I'm like, I don't know. And again, I was just like, meh. Yeah, so, but again, he he was in really great shape. So as someone who's in terrible shape, I'm like, he was running. That was definitely him running. He didn't use a double for that. <laughs> I think he was riding the horse too. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> so he's got that over me. <laughs> what do you think? What rating? Five. Five. Cool. Okay. Uh, all right. The legacy continuity and the relevant to the relevance to the rest of the series. I think this is a three. I think this is a forgettable movie. I think the only thing significant about this movie is like the title at this point, And that like, it's just exciting off of like, they named a bond movie octopusy. Did, 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 did they know what they're doing there? Um, that's it. I got the only, maybe the, maybe the auction scene three. Deanna, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know if I should rate. I think I should opt out. Okay, opt it out. Abstain. Okay. Okay. Frank. I'm going with a four. Um, there, yeah, there's virtually no continuity here. Uh, you don't feel like it. Anything from the last movie to this one ma makes any difference. Um, I don't think there's much of a legacy. I. I don't Whose know. favorite I, movie I think, is this? Uh, yeah, no one's favorite movie is Octopussy. I, I think the most like relevant thing to note here is like, Hey, Roger Moore was kind of thinking about getting out. It competed against never say never again. And for that, it's kind of like 
okay, this is a, a moment in time that we need to look at. But so yeah, I'm getting rid of four. Okay. Um, we got two more categories here, folks. Stick with us. So we got special effects. I gave this a four. Um, I think that they're doing cool stuff with the practical effects, and I think that where these movies shine in the John Glenn era are the action sequences. I think that they do look pretty cool in certain respects. Uh, I don't understand um, why, again, we're cutting the music in some of the action sequences, and we'll talk about that in the next category. But, um, you know, to me, um, I miss the miniatures. I miss the explosions. I miss... uh, the practical effects and they were kicking ass and this movie just seems like there's not so many cool practical effects for yeah i yeah there's there are a few moments i was like oh that that was pretty cool like i i do like the plane at the beginning i like the plane a little bit at the end um and the, yeah like having him the, the, the like the train fight sequence is pretty decent i'm like apparently every train that you have like you can always climb it like yeah just so easy <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy. There's always like little bars and ladders and stuff. It's like every train I've seen, like Long Island Railroad, the subway, it's very smooth. <laughs> there's no and way there's you're like lots that. of like cables and like things of electricity, electricity and stuff. I thought apparently it's really easy to climb trains in movies. Um, so yeah, no, and like like you said, all the 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 stunt doubling stuff isn't done particularly well. Uh, so yeah, five. I'll give it seven because I did really like that airplane scene when he was. I'm like, he has some impressive flying skills. Uh, we went through that barn and whatever. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was awesome. I will I will agree with you there. That was pretty awesome. Like, hey, someone actually is doing this flying shot. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. Good and the that. helicopter too. Like, that was great. How like what the hell was the point of that helicopter scene? It was just like fucking everybody's shit up in the village and like blowing their houses away. And then he gets off the boat. Like, <laughs> he's not even on a helicopter. <laughs> and then there's a the hot air balloon. <laughs> <It's there. laughs> because they feel like they needed another form of transportation. <laughs> All right, so. We got John Barry back. All right, John Barry, the original composer of the uh, many of the classic James Bond movies and the originator of the James Bond theme. He comes back for this movie. We get the James Bond theme back. A lot. A lot. But, but, we go back to this earlier part of the Roger Moore career where when there's these big action sequences, there's no music. And that shit is just weird. And... On top of that, I think we had a total flip here, Frank, because I liked the song last movie. I hate this one. I hate the melody. I think it's schmaltzy as fuck. I think it sounds like I think they are trying to project onto this movie greatness with that song title, and it it just falls fucking flat on its fucking face. Yeah. What do you think, my friend? So, I yeah, I disagree. I think that while I don't love the song – I appreciate that they're like, okay, there's no way we could sing about Octopussy. That just doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) So they went a completely different direction, and they got Tim Rice to do the lyrics. Like, that's like, all right, you've got somebody of of substantial name. And um, I I think maybe they they leaned in a lot on on the James Bond theme throughout, and, like, they had a couple of other things, like, in the beginning. I was really digging the music in the beginning, but I agree with you. It's just like they don't do anything different or interesting throughout the rest. I gave it a seven, which maybe is a little too generous, but um, compared to my last one, uh, yeah, that 
and so what you gave it a four right yeah deanna was this an all-time high for you uh, the movie or the music? the music the music the music is a nine i think the music made the movie i feel like now if i just play the soundtrack for like looking for my socks or you know anything my <laughs> gonna make it more exciting so definitely a nine i think that's where the music made the movie all righty then so sounds good let's total some scores over here and okay so total so uh frank you're giving this movie a 52 deanna you're giving this movie a 44 and you abstained from one category uh and i gave this movie a 36 this is the worst bond movie definitively this is the worst bond we movie for you i think right yeah <laughs> this is okay. the worst one um i well, might have gone lower somewhere but i didn't really love it i it yeah it was kind of forgettable you know i i, I gave on her majesty's secret service a 39 which to me now seems fucked up um because you know that movie has some cool historical relevance to it it's you know we, we didn't shy away from the things that we hated about it, but I think that movie is clearly better than this movie. And I think that when you, in the, you know, in the Bond trivia games to come and the highlight reels, you know, maybe the only thing that, that survives is the, na is the name of this movie, a a like, mm. and her name. And, uh, yeah, this movie, if they deleted it from Bond canon, I would be totally cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think we'll get there as uh, when we wrap up the series, we can decide how we want to treat our scores because it is a little problematic to be like, oh, wait, but like, I like this one better than that one or, or whatever. Maybe we'll do some averaging or we'll, we'll come up with a good way to, to present our. The Roger Moore wrap up episode is going to be a tough episode for us. We're, we're going to have to do some homework before we get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so. This has been a fucking blast, Deanna. Thank you so much for coming on and hanging with us. Thanks so much for having me. This was so fun and interesting. I I, I certainly hope you thought that you think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We highly recommend some other Bond movies other than this one. Yeah, you no, know which, that you... one I, which one should I do next? Ooh, Frank, go. <sighs> I mean, I was going to say because like Skyfall is the best one, in my opinion, but like, if you want to like dive in, you should start with Casino Royale. That okay. that's a good way to start with James Bond with Daniel Craig. It's fairly modern. It's really really good, and you're gonna want to keep watching. Obviously, if you only watch one movie a year, maybe you'll watch the four <laughs> that he's been in by like 2025. <laughs> uh, if I was gonna recommend one, I, I I agree with Frank. I think Casino Royale is the place to start. It's a little long. Um, but I think that it really does bring James Bond to now in a big way and kind of reimagines the character and reimagines what's fun about James Bond, uh, it, for something that we, as like the mo modern movie going audience can, can dig on, you know what I mean? Like there's so many, like, it's kind of like the way that the dark Knight redid Batman and makes it fun and exciting again. Casino Royale does that for James Bond. Um, so I think that would be an awesome place to start. Um, all right. So uh, thank you guys for jumping on the podcast again. Um, final thoughts, Frank, on anything? Anything you want to throw in there? No, I, I think that's it. It's uh, We've got one more Roger Moore, so uh, we're, we're almost, almost done. done. We're almost done. So happy. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so if you like the podcast, please feel free to give us a rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google. Uh, you can find the podcast on those places. We're on Apple, Google, uh, Stitcher, and Spotify. Uh, you can email us, info at longlostheroes.net. You can check our website out, www.longlostheroes.net. Um, and we're on all the socials at LLH Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Frank. Deanna, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us. Find her at Pandora's Mouth. Listen to her Comedians uh, Exposed podcast. And have a great week, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>